We started a series uh, last week titled, uh, not a series, but a, a message. It's a two-part message. How do we live? We're one big family. And how do we live? So I'm going to ask you to do something again. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through chapter 6, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, we read last week starting in verse 6 through 17, but we'll pick up in verse 14 for today. It says, the Word of God says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message, or in some versions it says the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So chapter 6, verse 1, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Father, we ask that you would give us understanding through your Holy Spirit and that you would empower us. To live out our Christian lives before a world that is needy and a world that's broken and lost. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. One big family. We're continuing on that theme. We've had our legacy weekends where we've brought in two different pastors to speak with us and We've had our time of fellowship, our time in the Word, and we've been focusing on what it means to be a big family and a big Christian family. And last week we talked about how do we live, and we said these four things last week. We said, how, do we supposed to, how are we supposed to live? How do Christians live in this world today, in this crazy, nutty world? And so put up that first slide, guys, with the four points. We said Christians are supposed to live by faith. We live by faith. And we talked about what that means. And then secondly, we said that we live to please God. We make it our aim, the Bible says, to please God. That's, that should be our goal as Christians. Not to live a life totally pleasing to ourselves, but a life that pleases God. Number three, we said we're to live in such a way knowing that we are going to have to give an account for how we lived. And we laid all that out about, about the crowns and about all of these things. And then number four, we said 
that we are compelled by Christ's love. Because we've experienced the love of Christ and we know what it is to be a Christian and we want other people to have what we have, we are compelled, it's within us, to live out our lives in such a way and to share our faith and to bring as many people with us. So those are the four things we talked about last week. We've got four more for you. So how do we live? We're going to pick up with number five. Okay? So we said earlier that we live to please Him. But I want you to notice a second thing here about that. Or number five is this. How do Christians live? We live not for ourselves, but for Him. Not for ourselves, but for Him. So our aim is to please Him, but we live not for ourselves, but for Him. Look at verse 15. The Bible says here, And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. We were talking today in Sunday School and Bible Study about, and I was given an illustration about my life before I received Christ, and and how my life really revolved around one thing, and one thing only. Not three things, not four things, not five. One thing. It revolved around me. It was all about me. About my pleasure, my happiness, my want. What this life could do for me. What I could get out of this life. What I could accomplish, what I wanted to do. The things I wanted to have. That's what my life was like before Christ. And to be real honest with you, folks, that's what life in most of the world is all about. And that's what life in America is about without Jesus Christ. It's about you and you only. It's about me, myself, and I. If you want to say it's about three things, you say me, myself, and I. It's actually about one thing, you. And a lot of people live their lives as just about them. And it's all about accumulation of things, all about all about um, um, uh, status in life. It's about money, thinking that money will make you happy. It's, it's all about these kinds of things because these are the things that bring satisfaction to my heart temporarily. Now, there's a problem. Not so much with that because lost people Live like lost people, right? That's how they live. Before I received Christ, I was selfish. It was all about me. It was about my wants and desires. And I told you before, I stole some money from my grandmother to buy something because it was about me. But on February 12, 1984, Christ invaded my life and invaded my world. And He changed me. And all of a sudden, my life went from being all about me to now, I have a purpose for living now. I'm living for Him. I am the temple of God. Each of us, Our bodies are the temple of God, and we've been created special and unique with our own gifts and our own talents for the glory of God. And so now as a Christian, I am to live for Christ. 
He died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, the Bible says, but for him who died for them, who rose from the dead, who changed them, who quickened them, who made them brand new. Now that I'm a Christian, it's not about me. It's about him, first and foremost. And y'all, that's how we should live. And the sad thing is that we have too many Christians who live just like they used to live when they were lost. They don't understand it. They don't think so. But really, their life is all about them. What can I get? What can the church do for me? What can this, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this marriage? What can I get out of this relationship? And I'll tell you, as a pastor, I hear people all the time, you know, over 30 years I've been a pastor, and, and I have people come to my office, and they talk, and, and they talk about their marriage, and they say, but look, I love that person, but I'm not in love with them anymore because they don't do this for me, or they don't do that for me. And I just want to pull my hair out and say, listen, you're not married because of what it can give to you. You're married because of what you can bring to the relationship. Go study the scriptures. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Ephesians chapter 5. What did Christ do for the church? Did Christ take from the church and serve himself? No, he gave himself for the church. So how do we live in this world today? Y'all, it's a a me generation. I'm telling you, it's... Whew. And it's not, look, it's not just the younger people. It's not just the younger people. Look, I'm, I'm just telling you something. Even as a Christian, I battle these things too from time to time. I wrecked my truck this week for the sixth time in, in about two weeks. Y'all know anybody that can wreck their truck twice in the same day and hit the same stump twice? I did it couple of weeks ago the same day and it was the sound was so loud both times that people come running out of the house thinking i crashed with a car or something i backed into it one time and i ran over it the next i got it both ways from the front and the back boom 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 the front was jealous because it didn't have a part in it so all right went to get me a cup of coffee the other day i'm backing out just just minding my own business and myself and another gentleman we ran into each other backed right into each other boom i look at it i shake his hand we're just like you know what my thought was i'm telling you this is my thought hunk of metal that's all it is just a hunk of metal don't care (laughs) don't care you see my truck going down the road i got dents and dings and I got stuff all over the place, y'all. I've hit trees in the woods, and I've hit big boulders of lime rock at the high school, and I've done all kinds of things. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care. You know why? It's a hunk of metal. And my life doesn't consist of the things that I have. It consists in who Jesus is in me. It's not about me. Right? Now, I had a little different situation I'm still struggling with. The other day, we were in the boat, and my motor was acting up, and, and I was a little frustrated. I wasn't mad. I was just a little frustrated, knocking on, 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 on the little uh, um, um, fuel, um, what do you call that? Um, 
fuel pump, knocking on it because it, it worked the last time I hit on it. When I hit it, boat took off. I said, figure, I'll do it again. And I was like, gosh, Penny, there's always something wrong with my boat. She goes, just a hunk of metal. No, it's my boat. What are, you, no, what are you talking about here? Don't get all spiritual on me. <laughs> no, life isn't about all those things. Life's about Christ. Who cares, right? Who cares about it? You say, I do. Well, maybe you care too much about the things that don't matter. I don't. I think the first thing you need to do when you have something nice and shiny is go scratch it right away. Just do, be done with it. Scratch it, get it over with. Get it over with, cry, do whatever you got to do, get it over with, get, get it out of your system, and then, then you're right with God. So anyway, so how do Christians live? Not for ourselves, but for Him. One more little anecdote here. Finally got Marcy our worship leader here, Marcy, to go fishing with us yesterday. Well, she caught the biggest fish. She caught a big old, a good, good-sized black-tipped shark. He's cleaning in the freezer. <laughs> now, short ste- shark steaks tomorrow. We ain't barbecuing. We're 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 grilling fish. Um, but <laughs> she had her cell phone in her pocket. Y'all know what I'm fixing to say. She leaned over to wash her hands, and her cell phone went swimming in the Gulf of Mexico. And Warren thinking, taking shirt off, I'm going, boom, I jump in. She jumps in to look to try to get it, and I said, did you have a life-proof case on it? She goes, no. I'm like, I'm getting out of the water. There's sharks in here. You know, what are we doing looking for a phone that don't work anymore? At first, you go, oh, man, my phone. I was so proud of her because I'd have been like, my phone, oh my gosh, my life is over. I would have been just panicking for a few minutes, but not her. She was just like, all I'm worried about is my Guatemala pictures. That's all she wanted. She goes, I don't know if I backed up those. It's just my Guatemala pictures. That's all I worry about. And, uh. So she called Verizon. I want to report a lost phone. And finally, at the end of all the conversation, the guy finally, well, what happened to your phone? Uh, can, can you recover your phone? Can you find it? <laughs> she goes, no, it's in the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico at Horseshoe Beach if you want to go look for it. There it is. But anyway, so what I'm getting at is that, you know, sometimes something like that would be the end of the world for most people. It's just a thing, people. And that reveals if those things mean that much to us that it ruins our life or ruins a day for us. It means that we're not living for him. We're living for ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? How we react to things reveal that. So we don't live for ourselves. We're to live for him. I'm telling you, if you will just switch that mindset, switch that thinking, let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, I'm telling you, your life will have more value, more meaning. You'll get more out of this place. You'll see the world differently. You'll see other people differently if you know that you're living for Him. Live for Him first. You say, but if I live for Him, I'm going to have a miserable life. No. The Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. He will. Look, 
I know I'm belaboring this point here, but my goal in life after to please me was to follow in my father's footsteps. I wanted to be a shrimper in South Louisiana. That's what I want to do for a living. My favorite time of the day in a shrimping day is late evening, about 30 minutes before dark. The wind lays down. Everything's calm. You're anchored. You put in a long day's work. You're resting up a little bit. You're, you're washing up. You fry a little bit of what you caught. You cook it. You eat it right there. Ready to take a few hours nap before you start again. And my dad would always drink his beer at that time. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a shrimper and drink my beer, maybe get married, have a nice little family, take what I get from the sea, and just be a good man. That's all I wanted to do with my life. That made me happy. But when Christ invaded my life and He changed me and He called me into the ministry, He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You would think, so He took your happiness away. No, I'll tell you what He did. He gave me a passion for things that I never had before and that bring much more joy to my heart than drinking a cold one at the end of the day, struggling, catching shrimp, not knowing what, you know. I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? If you live for Him, He'll change your desires and He'll give you a passion for those things that you never had before, even greater than anything you ever thought of, and it will fulfill your life like never before. Number six, how do Christians live? This is a long one, but hear me out. We live knowing that the old way of living is over. We have a new life our behavior and actions change drastically. They change drastically. We live knowing that the old way of life is over and we have a new life. Our behavior and actions change drastically. Look at verse 17. Greatest, not, 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 not greatest, but I mean my favorite verse. I learned it when I first got saved and it's always been my favorite verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Or in the NIV, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. New is here. I'm a new person in Christ. When you get saved, you're a new person. And you're to live the new life. It's a new way to live. We don't have to live the old way. We don't have to live in our selfishness and in our own narcissism. We don't have to live in sin and guilt and shame anymore. Now you're saved and Christ has changed you and given you a new heart and a new way to live. And now you have power and the Holy Spirit will give you that power to live for Him with everything that you have. And you can live different than the way you used to live. Y'all, listen, there's no excuse for a true Christian to live the old way. There's a new way to live. Who wants to live in that oldness? I like new things. Do you like new things? I like new and shiny things. Aren't they fun? Aren't they? 
I mean, I painted the top of my, of my outboard engine this week because, because it had worn out over 18 years. And, and man, I started putting that new paint on there after sanding and painting and sanding and painting and sanding and painting and put that clear coat. And it starts to shine. And I'm like, whoa, you look good. And when I, when I put stickers on you soon, you know, I'm going to put all these decals that I bought. Man, those things are expensive. They have the Yamaha decals and all that stuff and the Yamaha 90 and, and all of that. And Penny's like, why do you need that on there? I said, because my... My, my, the top of my engine looks good, baby. She's shining, and she's got to have a new dress on. I like new things, and when I had the ability to make it new, I don't want to go back to the way she looked like when she was old, and all the decals were cracking, and they were fading, and they were coming apart. I mean, I mean, the Creator, me, made her new again. I wasn't the Creator of her, but I, I came around and fixed her up. Well, in a greater way, in Christ, we are new. I will never, I look, I can't get over it. This happened 30-something years ago. But I gave my life to Christ, and instantly I was changed. And I went to bed that night, and the next morning I woke up, went to high school, and Went to do the same old things I've always done, but it changed and there was a burning in my heart and, 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 and a conviction in me that this wasn't right, what we were doing, and I didn't want to engage in it anymore. I couldn't say the same things. My vocabulary began to change overnight because I was a new person. Then I'm like, I need to go talk to these Christian people and find out what the heck happened to me last night. I prayed this prayer last night. I thought Jesus would jump down in the bed and say, you're saved, and we'd, we'd dance and party in my bed and all of that. None of that happened. So I didn't think anything happened. Woke up the next morning, went to school, and there was a new person living inside of me. I was like, what is going on? I started loving people. I was caring about people I never cared about before. I didn't just turn over a new leaf. Christ changed my heart. And when he does that, you're changed forever. And we live knowing that the old way of living is over. I like the way Justin uh, Law back there from, he's not a Yankee. Don't ever say he's a Yankee. He's a New Englander. Hey, say over for me. Say it. Say over the, the way you guys say it up there up north. Over. Park the car. Say over. It's over. It's over. That's what I love. The old life is over, man. Huh? Forget about it. It's over. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do what? No, no, you're from Vermont. That's true. That's a totally different place, I'm telling you. Man, Tennessee don't know what's fixing to happen to it. <laughs> Mungeons roll in there. So, yeah, it's over. I'm a new person. Man, I'm new. And here, I get emotional thing, but here's the beautiful thing, y'all. Here, it just doesn't happen one time. The Bible says that he renews us day by day. Amen. Listen, I got in this little wreck on Friday. I wasn't mad at the wreck. I really wasn't. I can't get over that. I just wasn't mad at the wreck. I was a little frustrated with the person that I got in the wreck with. We, it just wasn't happening. 
and, 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 and I got frustrated with that person because they thought I was at fault. And I'm like, heck, no, you're at fault and I'm at fault. We're both at fault, so none of us are at fault. <laughs> How do you like that? He wasn't seeing it that way. He thought it was all my fault. Your insurance is going to pay. And I said, uh-uh. So I'm calling. I said, my, if you look up above your head, that's my insurance agent right there, Tree Wick Insurance. Hey, Kevin, can you look down? I just had a wreck right under you. And uh, anyway. But, man, I was just frustrated with that encounter, you know. Didn't go like I wanted it to go. No, we didn't throw down and fight or anything like that. But, um, and bothered me. And I let it bother me into yesterday a little bit. But when I woke up this morning, it was on my mind, and God said, it's over, man. It's over. My mercies are new every morning. They're new every day. And you may have said a word or may have had a wrong thought, but you've asked for forgiveness. It's over, baby. <laughs> Because His mercies are new every day. I'm, I'm being renewed day by day by day by day. So not, I just don't get a new life the day I get saved. But my salvation continues on and on and on and on and on. And it won't be complete until I get the new body. And, and, and so as a process going on, I'm becoming more like Him. The way, the way it's, it's said theologically is, is that I was saved. I am being saved, and one day I will ultimately be saved. Meaning, meaning, positionally I was saved the day I received Christ as my Savior. But because I'm a work in progress, not a work in progress as to whether or not I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm, I'm becoming more and more like Christ. All of us, and when I say I, I'm talking about all of us as Christians, we should be growing and becoming more and more like Christ, being renewed day by day. And then ultimately, when everything is done and we get the new body and we live in new heaven and, uh, and, and, and the new earth, um, that's when our salvation will be fully complete, the process. So every day is new. Every day is new. I may have failed yesterday, but He's forgiven me. And today, because I'm a new person in Christ, I can overcome it. There's a new way to live, y'all. Our behavior and our actions change drastically. Let me give you the last two pretty quick here. Number seven, how do Christians live? We live as His ambassadors representing Him to a needy world. Representing Him to a needy world. Verses uh, 18 through 21, we read it just a little while ago. I'm not going to read it again to you. But we are His ambassadors. We're, we're representing Him to a needy world. Now, I'm not trying to get political. Okay, so, so, so get that out of your mind right now. Uh, you know, somebody asked me one time when a president who had occupied the White House was in the White House that I didn't vote for, and if I were invited to the White House, which under heaven, I don't understand why that would ever happen, but if for some reason I was invited to the White House, I have some pastor friends that, that have, have gone and were invited for special things and, and, you know, for different events, and if I were invited, would I go with that president who I didn't vote you know what my answer was? You better believe I would go. And for a lot of reasons. Number one, so I could tell my buddy, it's about me, baby. I've been to the White House. Have you been? No, I'm just kidding. No, the reason would be, would be is that, first of all, we have to respect the government. We don't have to agree with it. 
But the Bible, if we lose our respect for, for systems and for authority completely, we have anarchy. And I respect the office. And if God gives me a chance to speak truth to power, not in an ugly way, but in a godly way, I'm going to do it. Because I am His ambassador. So think about it. When the president appoints an ambassador, I heard that, um, <laughs> it's just funny to me, but I heard that President Trump appointed Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson is the, not the Woody Johnson from over here, but uh, he's in heaven today, but, but Woody Johnson, who owns the New York Jets, is the ambassador to the U.K., and he's no longer controlling the New York Jets football team. And I'm thinking, why would he want to give that up? You know, but anyhow, because he was asked to represent the United States of America, and so he chose to do it. President Obama asked um, uh, one of the Roonies, the owners of the Pittsburgh Steelers, to be an ambassador to a country, and they readily accepted. In other words, it was an honor for them to represent not just the President of the United States, but the United States of America. They're ambassadors. How much more so should we be ambassadors and representatives of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And that's what you are. That's what I am. We have the opportunity to be His ambassadors to a needy world. To tell them. And the Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. See, that's what, that's what I am, our ambassadorship with, uh, is all about. It's a ministry. Do you realize that a lot of governments still call their, their, their various uh, cabinet positions ministries? The ministry of defense, the ministry of this, the ministry of... of you know, foreign relations, on and on and on. It's our ministry, we have a ministry, and our ministry is the preaching of reconciliation, that man can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus Christ has done through the cross. And then one last thing. How do we live as Christians, or how do Christians live? We should live with a mindset understanding the urgency of the times, or rather of the time singular but of the times or of the time look at chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it says as God's co-workers we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain for he says in the time of my favor I heard you and in the day of salvation I helped you I tell you now is the time of God's favor now is the day of salvation so the principal concept here or the context is when God's dealing with you to bring you to salvation, you need to respond to Him. Because there is no guarantee that that will happen next week or the week after. If He's dealing with you, you respond to Him. And you do it now. You do it while He's moving upon you. But there's also a greater principle here. And that is, while you have life and while you have time, you're to make the most of the time. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Ephesians 4. Making the most of the time. We're to understand how should we live. We understand the times that we're living in and understand that time for us is finite on this earth. 
And we're going to give an account for what we've done with what we have with our Christianity. And so we have to live with an understanding that there is an urgency to what we do. So, so putting it in easy-to-understand terms. What are you talking about, Pastor? Here it is. When I first became a Christian, I felt like I should be reading my Bible more. And I was reading it. But I had more time to devour more of it, and I wasn't doing that. And I can remember going to church and falling under conviction as the pastor was preaching and saying, you know, I, 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 I got to start reading my Bible more. I, I'll do it. I'll do it soon. Within the next week or two, I'll start getting busy. And then guess what? The next week or two would come, and I hadn't done it. And then I would go through that process for about six months. I went through that until I decided to do something about it because the time was going by. See, the point that I'm making is that a lot of times in life we say, yeah, I'll get around to, to living for Christ. I'll get around to making this right. I'll get around to actually doing this. And we never do. That's because we're not living the right way then. Because a Christian that's living right has an understanding of the urgency of the time. We, we got we got. We've got a short amount of time, and no, we have an appointment we're all going to keep. And the problem is we don't know what time that appointment is coming. It's appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment. We don't know when that day is coming for us. We don't. So it's imperative that we maximize the opportunity that we have while we have it while we have it look y'all i'm just gonna be honest with you in 1995 when i became the pastor of this church i was 29 years old felt like i had 150 years to live you know because when you're in your 20s sometimes you think 60 70 looks like forever away right i had two kids i had one that was five years old and I had one that was two and a half months old. His first day at church, the two and a half month old, I'm not mentioning any names, but his first day at church in the nursery, he urinated in a lady's face. That was her introduction to my family. And she was amazing. She, she was sweet to him always. She, she doesn't live here anymore in the area, but she was, she was a sweet lady. Y'all remember Sherry um, uh, Coach? It was Sherry, all over Sherry, uh, Faye. And, um, I mean, little bitty thing. Your current worship leader did not exist except in the heart of God. And in 1998, the third, or the fifth member of our family, but the third child, was born at North Florida Hospital here. How many years ago was that? How old are you now? 20. I, I can't keep up. Y'all are growing so fast. So 20 years old. She was born. I'll never forget this. We got to the house, and we were bringing her in the house. And I had her in my arms like this whatever and I walked in and then I put her like this and I got to the living room and I said all right and this is probably what's wrong with her to this day 
I said, let me tell you something, young lady. There's four of us that have lived here before you ever took your first breath. We have a life that we like and that we enjoy, okay? And we understand that you're going to have needs that not everybody else has right now because you're little and you're going to need more attention than everybody else. But I just want you to know you're going to do it our way, okay? And you're going to you're going to fit into this family. You understand what I'm saying? And next thing she does, she starts crying. And she, she says this like three days old. I want mama. No, she didn't say that then. But that's all she used to say. She'd wake up in the morning. She'd look at me. And instead of saying, oh, hi, daddy. She'd go, where's mama? <laughs> Your mama left and went to New York. I made her cry one day. It was awesome. It's amazing. Told her her mom wasn't here. She wasn't coming back for a week. She went to New York. And, uh, and then when my mama, when she sees her, I want mama. Anyhow, I tell you all that to say this. So Ashley was looking at me and said, where are you going with this, preacher? <laughs> follow me. Follow me now. There's a point. I was 29 years old when I became the pastor of this church. Didn't have my whole family yet. The whole family wasn't complete. I thought I had a lifetime, which meant forever to live. Just like that. Those days of bringing them to soccer practice, football practice, baseball practice, softball practice, obviously church events, they're all gone. They came and they went. And we have the empty nest and have had it for a little while now. That little one that urinated all over one of our church members is today a police officer in Stark. And this weekend, it's click it and ticket. He called me right before church. He said, Dad, guess how many tickets I've written since yesterday? I said, I don't know how many. He said, 81. Let me tell you, if y'all go through Stark, you better wear your seatbelt. Because I guarantee if he stops me, he's taking me to jail, okay? Just like that. Just like that. That little girl that we told, hey, this is our life. Don't mess with it. She messed with it. And she's standing here leading us in worship today. I'm 52 years old. I got a lot of life to live if God lets me live. He could take me home tomorrow. But if he lets me live, I still got a little bit of life to live. But I'm, I'm, over, I'm over the hill now. I'm past I'm on the downward slope of, 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 the, of the time factor, not the good-looking factor. Y'all remember that Mac Davis song, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Remember that? To know me is to love me. I get better looking each day. That's what I sing to myself in the mirror every day. Now, I don't know how I'm going to fix this because I started the message today. Basically, it ain't about you. And I just finished it with singing about me. <laughs> so, we have to understand the urgency of the time. This life is going by. Just like that. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. It's, it's just going by fast. And before you know it, I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take them do this. I'm going to take them do that. And before you know it, they're not going to want to spend any time with you. They got their own lives. 
What? <laughs> but guess who's taking her, get, get her a new phone after church? Mama. Not mama, daddy. <laughs> All right, y'all, listen. This is how we're to live. Take the parts that I said that were true and scriptural and the other parts throw them out, okay? But let God work in your life and let's live this thing, man. I'm not interested in claiming to be something that I don't want to live. I want to live it. I want to make a difference. So I want to live. And this is how the Scriptures teach me to live. And I ain't going back. I used to live in what, used to, what, what the world said was happiness. Man, I, I didn't know what happiness was. I didn't know what love was. I didn't know what satisfaction was. I didn't know what peace was. I know it now in Christ. And I'm telling you what, I ain't going back over there. And you ain't dragging me back, and I'm not going back there with you. I love you, and I'll throw you a lifeline. But you've got to decide for yourself how you want to live. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, it amazes me you can use someone like me to preach your word. But you do it every day throughout this great world. You use everyday Christians to preach your word at work, with family, in their neighborhoods, in their civic organizations, wherever they work, whatever they do. So I thank you that we can preach a gospel each and every day by the way we live. How should we live, God? Your word declares it. I pray you would give us strength. I don't know how your word and your spirit is working in each individual's lives. That's your place, your God. But I pray that each of us would respond to the truth of your word today as it applies to our specific circumstance in life. Whatever it means. Maybe some have been just living pretty ungodly. They claim to be a Christian. Either they need to become a real Christian, or, Father, I pray that, that, that they quit playing games and realize the time. Pray for, some, for those of us who are growing, but yet oh, we stumble sometimes. Thank you for reminding us how we ought to live. So as God speaks to your heart, we have this platform, we call it a little, an altar. It's a place where the Word of God meets our hearts. You can come and pray here and seek God's direction. Nobody will make a judgment of you if you want to come and give your heart to Christ. Present yourself as a candidate for baptism. You know, we have to walk you through salvation and see exactly where you stand with God. We'll help you. However God is leading you, you respond to Him. And Lord, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.